everybody. This is Leslie and Sarah and welcome along to episode eight of the Tailors in Japan podcast. And this edition will be our last episode actually of the uh, 2020 uh, year. But it's our first episode from Japan. That's right. It is our first episode from Japan. We are actually tailors in Japan now. Yeah, that's right. We're not tailors in America hoping to get to Japan anymore.、Um, we are actually tailors in Japan. And、uh, we're very grateful for that, grateful to God for his provision, grateful for his help in、uh, getting here and being with us in the process and、uh, giving us everything that we needed to make this possible.、Um, we're so grateful for that. And we're grateful to so many out there who are probably listening to this.、Um, That also were a part of that. And、uh, we're, we're so thankful to you. And,、uh, you know, honestly, I think probably like a lot of us, we are really glad to be seeing this year end. This has been a really just insane, crazy year. And I, I know for probably a lot of people, there's been some great moments, but there's also been some really difficult moments. And I think, you know, most of us are kind of ready to see the new year. Of course, sometimes we say that and then the new year comes and we're like, you know what? I think I would rather return to that year before.、Um, and those times do come. But nevertheless, I think、uh, a restart, a reset is a, a good thing. And, and especially now for our family that we're in Japan, we're looking forward, I think, to the new year in a lot of ways because this new year is really the beginning of our work. And so we have a lot to look forward to in that, I think. Yeah, the timing was. Not what we hoped for, but now being here and having gotten here in December, it actually is kind of nice timing that so quickly we are getting into the new year and just really re- restarting and refreshing everything all at once. Yeah, because you know, even for me, for the sermons that I'll be doing at the Matsudo Church, those sermons have a theme, and I actually planned a year of、uh, lessons. I mean, I haven't actually written all those lessons, but I have. The topics and the theme chosen for the next year. And originally, we were going to be here in the spring. And my plan was to kind of go according to what you might call the, the church calendar,、um, going from、uh, Easter, from resurrection to you know, the following Easter. So that's certainly a viable way to do it. But there's also something to be said for starting the new year off you know, according to the modern calendar. And、um, being able to kind of start and go through a single year that way, there's, there's something to be said for that too. And obviously, there's a lot of things. I don't know, like we said, it's just sort of a reset. It's an opportunity to sort of restart and kind of move forward and hopefully, you know, leave the problems of 2020 behind us to some extent.、Uh, you know, of course, I don't know how much we'll leave behind. I mean, the reality is the pandemic is not over yet. Um, and we'll talk about actually some of that here, perhaps in this episode. But at any rate, at least maybe we can see the light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccines coming out. And, and hopefully, this new year holds some, some optimism in that regard. But、uh, anyway, we are here. And so, as we start off this episode, we'd like to share a little bit about the process of getting here. Now, some of you may have seen some of this in our newsletter. Um, if you don't get that, remember you can always go to tailorsinjapan.com forward slash newsletter and you can sign up for our newsletter there and you'll start getting those in your inbox.、Um, others of you, if you're a friend on Facebook, or again, possibly I, th- I think I include this in the last newsletter, 
you may have seen the uh, YouTube video that I posted. And if you haven't seen that, I will include a link um, in the description, hopefully, of this on Podbean. So if you're looking at it on Podbean, you can see it there. But anyway, if you um, search for it on YouTube, maybe you'll find it. I'm not really sure. But anyway, um, we'll try to make sure that you can find that somehow. So we did share a video that was sort of behind the scenes of our move to Japan. But in case you haven't seen that, or in case you just haven't had enough of what it was like to come to Japan, we want to share a little bit of what that process was like here, I guess, kind of now a month separated from that. We've been here about a month now. So uh, first things first, before we came, and I think we mentioned this before, we had to get those PCR tests. We had to get the test um, for the coronavirus before we left, and that had to be taken the test had to be taken within 72 hours of our departure. So we had to know our departure date, and then we had to order those tests. It had to be our international departure, not just our first connecting flight. Yes, know? yes. It, it had to be the actual departure from Dallas-Fort Worth to Japan. So we had to get that test within 72 hours of that, and that was pretty expensive, um, you know, getting those tests. How, how much was that, Sarah? I think it was 250 per person. So yeah, twelve fifty. Yeah, so it was over twelve hundred dollars to get the test for all five of us. Now, thankfully, I will say we didn't have to have anything crammed up our noses. So at least there was that. We did have to produce a lot of saliva, though. We had to have quite a lot of spit for the, that first test, anyway. Yeah, and one of the kids dropped their test tube and started <laughs> yeah. crying. It was so sad. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, were... it was better than having a Q-tip shoved up your nose. Oh, I, guess. I agree. It, I I think. For this child, I, I don't want to give any clues because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But for this particular child, I think there was just feel it felt like there was a lot of pressure in that moment. And so when they dropped that and the saliva came out, it was like, oh, no, you know, everybody's looking at me and now I've failed. And what's going to happen? You just there was a lot of pressure, I think, in that moment, it, even though it really wasn't a big deal. It felt like a big deal. I don't know where they get that from. Yeah. Definitely not me. <laughs> Indeed. Um so anyway, um, there was that incident. But other than that, it was actually pretty easy, really. Um, we just had to produce a lot of spit. And then um, that was that. I will say the morning of the test, I woke up and my throat was kind of scratchy. And I was like, oh, no, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> um, but thankfully, obviously, I we passed or we wouldn't be here. So we got that test. We paid for it. And then we got the results at like midnight the night before we were going to leave. I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty close to midnight. It was late. But the crazy thing is the test results, we weren't really sure if they were everything they were supposed to be. Cause I think there was some stuff that was supposed to be signed or written or something that they hadn't written down. So we were like kind of panicking, like, what do we do? What do we, so I, but anyway, it all worked out in the end. They accepted our papers when we got here. So that's all that really matters. But it was like Japan didn't want them to say no virus detected. They wanted them to say negative And we specified that Leslie had emailed this place back and forth so many times telling them all of the bureaucratic things we had to meet. And then they sent it to us and they hadn't done like any of that. Yeah. And so I went through and read the results that they had sent us. And I saw like down in the fine print, it said, if it says not detected, that means negative. So I like took a highlighter to it and highlighted it so that if anyone questioned us about it, we could be like, no, see, it means negative. Yes. But I mean, it didn't actually end up being an issue at all. No. So. Well, and that's the thing, because 
we had actually heard of at least one person who their tests said no virus detected instead of negative, and they got sent back. They weren't allowed into the country because of it. So it was just a misunderstanding, but nevertheless, that wasn't a misunderstanding that we could either afford or wanted to endure, obviously. So um, anyway, as Sarah said, thankfully, it was not a problem. It was uh, accepted totally fine, and uh, we got in on those. But anyway, so what day did we actually leave? What date was Saturday. it? Saturday. Oh, I don't know what date. It, it was the 28th. We got here the 29th, yes, which correct. was Sunday. Yeah, okay. And then we did all the paperwork. Yeah, all the stuff the on the 30th. 30th. Okay, that's right. Yeah, so we left... We flew out of Florida bright and early. Actually, it wasn't really that bright, but it was early. <laughs> um, very early on Saturday morning, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, the 28th. And uh, we flew to Dallas-Fort Worth. And that first ride was pretty bumpy. Um, the first the first flight was actually kind of bumpy. It wasn't horrible, but it was definitely bumpier than I was hoping for. Although I was surprised the kids were totally fine. They didn't seem to be too concerned about it. Okay, so the girls had gotten Boston worked up about turbulence before we took these flights. And so we're on the plane and Boston's asking like, what happens if the engines stop working? What happens if the wings stop working? I'm like, what is he talking about? Finally, I realized he thought turbulence meant the plane stops working. So all this time that I had been telling the kids, like, every flight has turbulence, but we're always okay. <laughs> he didn't realize turbulence just means it's a bumpy ride. He thought it was the airplane stops working and you're going to plummet to your death. But it's okay, guys. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we land safely every time. They just kind of glide us safely. I mean, we have enough forward momentum. Yeah, it's funny the way kids read stuff, you know, and it's funny, too, because like he's thinking that and he's not completely freaking out. Know. Like, you know, <laughs> if you think that you would think he would be like, I am not getting on that plane. But he's like, well, OK, I just trust mommy and daddy. So that's like a really good sermon right there. Yes. Look at that spiritual application of the child trusting his parent, even exactly. when he is scared out of his mind. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I am certain that I'm going to die, but mommy and daddy are taking me on. So I'm getting on anyway. Um, oh, to have a childlike faith. Um, but, uh, anyway, so, uh, that first flight was bumpy, but all the kids were fine. We were all fine. And, uh, we got there and then we, uh, had about like an hour to get to our other flight and we got there plenty of time. It was easy. Uh, we boarded and, uh, that flight was incredibly smooth. I don't think there was hardly any turbulence at all. Basically that entire time, there was like a tiny bit over some of the mountains. And after that, I don't think we felt any the rest of the time, basically. So that was nice. But most of all, the most interesting thing about that flight was how incredibly empty it was. I don't think I have ever been on a flight that empty. Like the most empty that I have ever seen a flight like that was in that movie, what was that movie? What's that that girl from um, the Spider Man? Like that most Toby, whatever, whatever his name is. What's the most? All I'm thinking is Toby Mac, and that's not. No, it. <laughs> yeah, it's not Toby Mac. I can't remember. Anyway, Kristen um, Dunst. Kristen Dunst. Yeah, she's in a movie with um, some guy, and it's like she's like a flight attendant. I don't know. Anyway, you're not talking about Left Behind, are you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Although it could have looked like that. Now that you say that, it could have looked like Left Behind, I suppose. If if you were imagining if that scenario was actually occurring, that's about what yeah. I, well, actually, no, probably not. Cause there'd only be like three people missing, but uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, it was very empty. 
Um, but that was actually pretty nice because like the flight attendants basically said, guys, y'all can sit wherever you want. Just sit wherever, take up three spots, lay down. We don't care. So we did. We could lay down. Um, the kids had all their own spots. Everybody had as much space as they wanted and like serving the food at lunchtime or whatever, the meals took like three minutes. (laughs) I mean, it was incredible. So, um, really it was a, it was a nice experience, even if, you know, a bit, weird kind of to be on such a completely empty plane. Do you know what was really awesome? One of the flight attendants was a guy whose parents were missionaries in Japan for like 40 years and he grew up in Japan and he went, no, he didn't go to, um, what is it? CAJ, but his sister went to CAJ, the Christian Academy in Japan. And so he just sat and talked to me. He said like, you know, I had a feeling when I looked at you guys that you were missionaries and I was like, that's amazing. Like that, how... Was there possibly this man on our flight who is not only a Christian, but also his parents were missionaries in Japan? Like that was such yeah. a huge blessing, especially just with so many feelings going into the trip. Um, I mean, both the short-term trip, but also this long-term mission trip. Um, just to have someone even on our flight who was there encouraging us. Like that was yeah. such a huge blessing from God. And I feel like it was directly from God putting people there just to reassure us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is nice. It's nice to know that the people on the plane, I don't know, have some sort of connection to what you're doing. At least they care about it. You know, it's not like they're just like, yeah, I don't really care what you're doing or why you're going. You're just a customer. You know, there's a little bit different difference than that. And especially like Sarah said, given the situation, like we're going for a long-term mission, but also in the middle of a pandemic and everything's already weird. So it's a little bit comforting just to, to have that. So, um, yeah, it was a good flight. It really was. We, we had a pretty uneventful trip overall. I want to fly in a pandemic every time now. Yeah, I know. Right. I <laughs> Except know. Maybe the PCR test. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the test part wasn't you know great, but I have to admit not being jammed between like 50 other people and stuff really makes a difference on how comfortable the flight is. But uh, anyway, so we arrived and when we landed immediately after getting off the plane, I mean, this is where it really became incredibly different because normally when you land, you come off your plane, you walk out, you go down some hallways and, um, you know, just basically walk down, you go to immigration you do all the paperwork you need to there. Um, you know, they give you your stamp or whatever. You go through, you go get your luggage, you go through customs, and then you leave, and that's it. And the whole process maybe takes an hour if they're really busy. I know, like an hour used to be the long yes. way of getting in. Yes. I mean, it could be 45 minutes or less from getting off the plane to going out into the main uh, lobby or whatever of the airport. And uh, so this time... You know, we got off the plane, we walked down the original hallway. So like basically, basically the, um, uh, the thing that connects the airplane to the actual terminal, we walked from there, came out and immediately we had chairs and paperwork to do. So immediately we were doing some paperwork and getting prepared for the PCR test that we had to take. So we got through and went to uh, that first paperwork and then we went and took our test. And that was, again, thankfully, not any nose swab. All we had to do is produce spit, less spit, actually, than we had to for the first test. I loved it here. They had pictures of lemons and umeboshi, which is pickled plums, which to me, the first time I had it, I was like, this tastes like a sweet tart. 
But they had yes, pictures yeah, of that there to try to help you produce saliva for this test. It was yeah, so, so funny. it is kind of funny to see that there just to help because especially after getting off of a plane, um, you know, for me at least, my mouth is pretty dry. So trying to produce saliva, you're exhausted. You've been on a plane for 13 hours. For me at least, my mouth was pretty dry. So um, I don't know if that helped or not, but either way, we got enough spit to, you know, do the test. So as soon as the test was over, then the next step was we had to go do some more paperwork. That's where we turned in, I think, the paperwork for our PCR test from the States and some other things we had to do. Then we went and sat down and basically waited for the results of the test that we took in Japan. And that took, I don't know, maybe about 45 minutes or so for that test result to come back. And we just had to sit there and uh, couldn't really do much. That was hard for the kids. They were hungry. They were tired. They did not want to be sitting there doing yeah. nothing especially because we're like don't touch anything just sit in your chair yeah it was well, a little hard for them yeah because we were like basically one of the hallways that we normally normally would have been walking down like they had like one of those um what do you call them like moving sidewalks or whatever like an escalator that's flat basically and you just walk on it so you can go a little bit faster um they had one of those but it was shut off and we were just sitting on the side of that in between the wall and that moving sidewalk and there was just a bunch of chairs lined up and we're just sitting there facing a wall there isn't anything else just waiting for somebody to call our number and tell us that hopefully we don't have the virus so you know it definitely was hard for the kids but we got through it and uh thankfully of course we're negative so after that they sent us on to immigration <laughs> and that was kind of funny because normally when you go to immigration nobody's going to help you like you just got to do it on your own but this time and I don't know if it's because we got in late or whatever, but there was like three kind of older men who were all trying to help us out, but we already knew what to do. And so all of these three people were trying to help us out, but they were actually like making it more complicated because like one person was helping me and another person was helping Sarah. And then we ended up like filling out forms twice, but with different information or something because of the way we were writing it. Like maybe I wrote my name like slightly differently or whatever. Or something. I can't they remember. They filled what out it was. two for Cambria and missed yeah. Madeline or something. But then when I told them what they did, they're like, okay, we'll we'll just cross it out instead of getting a new paper. Yeah. Which I would have done. Although to be honest, that's what Boston's birth certificate looks like too. His has yeah, stuff crossed out all over <laughs> it. So but that's why I say it was a little bit confusing. And I think it actually would have been faster had they not been there. But I mean it was nice. It's not like they were, you know, they, they were just trying cute. to help us. Yes, it was kind of cute. It was. Um, but anyway, so then we actually got through immigration. Um, but for us, because we were new entries into the country, um, we had to go sit in another room and get our residence cards made, but that wasn't too long. That was like maybe 10 minutes or so. Yeah. That was also hard for some of the kids. They were very grumpy by that point. Yes. Which I can understand. Yeah, of course. I mean, you're tired, you know, it's been a long day already. So, um, but then after that we were allowed to go on to customs and that was no problem at all. And then we got out. And uh, we just had to, we sent our big luggage to the house that we're now living at. And then we went to a hotel and the hotel situation was kind of weird because we were supposed to take like a, a quarantine bus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Apparently there's a quarantine shuttle that goes to local hotels around Narita airport. Um, but I don't know, they directed us to the regular shuttle, <clears throat> which to me, I'm like, it's kind of obvious that's not the one we're supposed to be taking, but 
they sent us to that one. So Leslie just asked the bus driver, are we allowed on this? And he was like, well, did you have a negative test? And we said, yeah. yeah. And so he was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He right. was like, do you have the virus? And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not that, that stupid. Um, I mean, I didn't say that part, but I was thinking that I was like, but I mean, the thing is, I don't blame him for asking because there are people who will actually do that. There's people who will be like, yeah, I, I tested, you know, positive. Although actually they probably wouldn't be allowed to leave the airport if they did test positive, but I don't blame the guy for asking. At any rate, once we said no, he was like, whatever. And he let us on. But I've heard of other people who weren't allowed to get on the bus. Like I actually read some people who said that bus is only for people who are actually quarantining at the hotel. In other words, they're going to be staying there for two weeks at the hotel and the bus takes them there. But if you're not doing that, we were only staying there for the night. Apparently you're not supposed to, but anyway, I don't know. It's kind of a mess, but there was like no one, once you got out of customs, there was no one checking anyone and yeah. what they're doing or anything. So we did yeah. our best. And yeah, it was really pretty empty. The airport was pretty empty overall and outside was pretty empty. So I guess it wasn't a big deal. So we got to the hotel and we went to the convenience store, picked up, you know, some, uh, something to eat for oh, dinner. Oh, you got onigiris. You got rice balls. Cause that's what everybody was looking yes. forward to eating. Yeah, when we, we all got looked to forward Japan. to our rice balls. So we all had various rice balls. Uh, and that sounds weird, just like a rice ball, but basically what they do is they have like a triangle, it's rice shaped in like a triangle that's been generally it's shaped in your hand. Although these are probably like machine shaped, but, um, they just shaped the rice into like a triangle. And then there's something in the middle of it. Usually like there could be like tuna and mayonnaise, or there could be umeboshi like we were talking about, or all sorts of things. I mean, they put all, all sorts of things in the middle of this. It's like a rice sandwich, basically. That's how I look at it. Like for them, it's like their peanut butter sandwich or yes. their, salami sandwich yes it's it's really easy you know and then they wrap it in seaweed and that's it and it's actually really good i mean, I mean it probably sounds kind of weird to some people but it's actually really good anyway so we had that and some tea i was looking forward to the bottle tea and got some of that oh you got chocolate covered almonds too didn't yes you? <laughs> yeah they do they sell these chocolate covered almonds here that are so good um i've eaten way too many of those since we've been back but anyway we had that and then we had a good night's sleep I think. Yes. And we got up the next morning and uh, our sister now, now son, who had become a, uh, a Christian while we were here last time, um, I actually was able to baptize her then in 2016. Um, she came with her car and came and picked us up from the airport and drove us back to Matsudo to the church building. And uh, then Sampe son, our sister Sampe met us at the building and uh, she helped us out with some stuff that morning. Basically, we had a lot of paperwork and that was the thing, like from the point, you know, when we got here doing the quarantine, we, we knew we were supposed to quarantine when we got here. So we were going to have to be, you know, kind of out of things for 14 days, but we knew that we were allowed to do some things, but we weren't sure how much we were allowed to do. So there was a lot of questions, but Sampai-san didn't seem to be too concerned about it because she, she just was kinda, like, you want to go out to eat? <laughs> yeah, I know. She was like, you want to go eat lunch somewhere? I was like, I don't think we're really supposed to go to restaurants. And she was like, oh, whatever. Okay. You know, <laughs> so, um, but see, that's the thing. Like the quarantine is not actually being um, like looked after. Nobody checks up on you. I mean, the government did send us something through an app called Line here, which is like, it's kind of like Facebook Messenger or... Uh, just a texting service kind of thing, a messaging service that they have. So they did send us some questions about COVID every day. Um, basically, they were just calling us and checking on us saying, basically, does anybody have any symptoms? And I would just answer no. And that was it. And they did that till the 14th day and then it stopped. 
um, which was actually kind of good because when I didn't get it on the 14th day, I was like, okay, I counted right. <laughs> so we actually <laughs> did our quarantine properly. Um, but we were allowed to get out and do like shopping for groceries and some basic stuff like that. But we didn't go to any restaurants and we really just, we didn't ride the trains at all. And that was weird because normally you come here, you come to the airport, you don't go to a hotel. The first thing you do is you get on a, a train and you go wherever you're going. And so to be like, no, we're going to stay at a hotel and then we can't ride the train in the morning. We have to take a car. It was kind of a different experience. Um, so we didn't ride the trains at all for 14 days. The kids literally stayed in the house for 14 days. I felt yeah. so badly for them, but they did amazing. They're yeah. such good kids. I, I think the only thing that they got out for was like a couple of times when Sarah or I went shopping for groceries, like one or two of them went with us sometimes, but that was basically it for for the most part, I would say like 99.9% .9 of the time they were in the house. And like Sarah said, they did amazing. Of course, probably part of it is <laughs> we did say, okay, for this quarantine period, you know, no rules basically on the video games and stuff. You guys can like hang out. And I think they were just like, okay, you know, so, um, Sampeson uh, gave us a TV that used to be her daughter's. Yes. And so, I mean, we had a TV for the whole quarantine, which yes. was really nice. Yeah, definitely. So I think the kids were pretty happy. <laughs> I mean, you know, who can blame them, I guess. Um, but, uh, and it's been kind of chilly. I mean, since we got here, it was kind of cold. So I'm not sure they had a huge desire to go outside a bunch anyway. But uh, still, I think a lot of kids would be having a tough time and, and they were so good. And we were, we were grateful for that. Hey, everyone. This is Leslie. And I hope you'll forgive me for interrupting in the middle of this episode. But even though we've only been here for one month, we've actually been very busy. And so this episode ended up being quite long, almost an hour, in fact. And so rather than giving you one episode that's almost an hour long, we decided to break this episode up into two parts. And so this concludes part one of episode eight and we'll be releasing part two in just a few days here. So we hope that you will look forward to that when we release it here soon, and also hope that you've enjoyed this episode up to this point. Thank you so much for listening, and again, we'll see you in just a few days.